Our gospel lesson comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 36. Hear now the word of God. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Frederick Douglass wrote in early 1863 that the mixture of God and history should startle or shock. He said, a great truth breaks upon the vision of some early riser, and straightway he wakes up the drowsy of the world with announcement of the day and the work. Sleepy people don't like to be disturbed. They hate the troubler, draw their curtains, turn their backs to the light. This quote from Frederick Douglass felt apt on this first Sunday of Advent as the days grow shorter and darkness descends sooner and we Christians, strangely enough, gather in this place to anticipate the pervading, unstoppable, overwhelming light of Jesus Christ. That's the thing with Jesus. We can draw the curtains and turn our backs, but Jesus shines regardless. We can draw the curtains and turn our backs to his coming, but the prevailing, invading, unstoppable grace of God comes with or without our acknowledgement. Jesus will come with or without our assent or even our participation. This year when I was reading this text from Matthew, I noticed something. I noticed that there isn't much agency on the part of the people in this text. Did you notice that? They don't seem to do much in this story. Even those who are awake and eager for the Son of Man's arrival, they remain pretty passive in this story. One is taken, one remains. Neither, it seems, did anything to be chosen or left. Which one anticipated the divine encounter? Which one was on the lookout for the ending of one age and the beginning of another? We readers and preachers can only wonder. And furthermore, how would it have mattered with that one left harvesting the crop, aware that Jesus had returned, would they have tried to negotiate with the Most High God at that point? 
How much agency do the people in this story have? Would not both of them been shocked at Christ's coming? What's left for either of them to do when the Son of Man returns? All of these types of stories in the Bible seem to imply that the time is up, right? We have a lot of time to do what God commands, but we don't have an infinite amount of time. God is going to act, and our ability to alter those divine plans, it seems to be over at this point. And that's why we have this Advent wake-up call, this appeal for Christ's readiness right here in the middle of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. We have plenty of time, but we don't have an infinite amount of time to hear and heed the startling message that is the mixture of God and history. So the question for those of us gathered is, what are we going to do? Do we jump out of bed in anticipation? Or do we put a do not disturb sign on our door? Are we going to turn towards the light of Christ? Or are we going to draw the blackout curtains and try and resist the new thing that God is doing? All of these stories about the end times, these be forewarned, get ready, God is coming, all of these texts have often been used to scare people. Have you noticed that? I have people in my life who tell me that they have vivid childhood memories of preachers yelling at them from pulpits about the state of their eternal souls. And as old as they have gotten, they cannot let go of that fear. For these people, Christ's readiness means dread and a looming sense of terror, not a hopeful eagerness at the prospect of being welcomed to the place prepared for them by their maker. But did you notice something in this text this morning? We don't hear anything about belief do we? There is no explanation as to why one is taken and one is left behind. We get this little bit about Noah, and we know Noah was deemed righteous by God, but I suspect that was a surprise to Noah. And let's face it, a lot has happened since Genesis 5, right? So what do we do with this strange story on this first Sunday in Advent in 2019 when often we modern mainline people have simply ignored this genre of scripture and we've left it to those who make those movies about cars suddenly devoid of people on the interstate. And we make fun of that theological literalism but we don't offer anything in its place. What do we do with this strange story if we want to say that it is the inspired word of God and God's word to us? 
What do we do with these end-of-the-age texts when we survey our world and we anticipate that God and history will not synonymous, God, we hope, are not mutually exclusive, right? How are we attuned to God's coming in this world and in our lives? Not because we are afraid, but because we want to turn towards the light of Christ. How do these stories help us participate in the new thing that God is doing right now? Because I tell you, my friends, I do not know when Christ returns. I do not know if I will be taken or left. But given the whole expanse of the biblical witness, I trust that I should welcome him when I see him face to face, no matter what happens next. Because I trust that this story is good news. I trust that this story must be good news. If God sent the Son to save and not to condemn the world, if Jesus is the light no darkness can overcome, if he came to save sinners, if he became incarnate and assumed our humanity and redeemed it, if nothing can any longer separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord, then this part of the Bible, like every part of Scripture, has to be good news. It has to be good news. And that means Christ's readiness entails hope and joy and fearless, generous living in all of our relationships, in our work, in our advocacy, in our rest, in our chapter of history no matter what is going on in the world. We know the truth that God is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Those of us who know of Jesus' incarnation and anticipate the risen Christ's return, we can live with confident abandon, my friends, we can live in radical hope at the present and coming overwhelming light of the world. We don't have to be afraid about being unprepared. We need to be eager for Christ's transformative power. Christ will return. All nations will come to the mountain of the Lord. The meek will inherit the earth. All will be satisfied. This is good news. Two or three are gathered. Two or three are gathered. And that means Christ is present right here. And your sins are forgiven. And your faith has made you well. You can ask and receive. 
This is good news. Christ is here. Christ will come again. Christ will never abandon us. The end of time will come at an unexpected hour, but every hour belongs to Jesus Christ. This is good news. The word taken in Greek can be translated as received, taken care of, accepted, taken with. Isn't that a lovely image? The Son of Man receives us. One will be received. They don't know when, they don't know why. Grace and mercy just chase them down. Surely that knowledge is too wonderful for them. The word left in Greek can be translated as released or forgiven or pardoned. In this story where we know the end, and we know the end is when there is no mourning or crying, we know the end when all of those swords are transformed into plowshares. We know the end is that war will be learned no more. We know the end of the story where nothing and no one will be lost. We know the end of the story where Jesus utters forgiveness to those who crucified him. We know what's coming in this story, right? We know soon that angels will say to lowly shepherds, do not be afraid. Might that be a word for our time? Do not be afraid. We bring good news of great joy for all people. So surely Christ's readiness calls us to hope. Radical hope, knowing in history, our personal history, all history, God is with us. All nations, all people, accepted, forgiven, unexpectedly claimed and named by the Most High God. Jesus is coming. Christ will return. Emmanuel is here. This is good news. There's enough terror in our world. There's enough fear-mongering and anxiety. And those of us who know Jesus is coming should stop looking over our shoulders and being afraid. We should stop worrying about the future and stop fretting about the state of the world. We need to stop seeing the speck in others' eyes and pay attention to the logs in our own. We don't have to build bigger barns. We don't need to be the greatest because Jesus says the last will be first. And we can draw the curtains and turn our backs to the light, but that light is coming anyway. It cannot be stopped or hidden or overwhelmed. And Advent reminds us that Jesus will be born and Christ will come again regardless of our readiness. And this is good news.
of great joy for all people. The sleepy and those who have no rest. The ones looking up in hope and the ones so bent over with burdens they can't imagine a better day. But those of us gathered here are given a great gift, my friends. We're given the gift of a wake-up call. A reminder to make ready as best we can. To meet God face to face. We are given the gift and responsibility of being let in on the truth that all time is God's time and we are finite, but we are never forgotten. And knowing that at any moment, every moment, God is in our midst. Christ is present in the least of us. Emmanuel is with us. Jesus prepares a place for us. The comforter will not leave us. And the days are surely coming when Christ will return for us. How do we want to live then? How are we freed to live? That's the question that we are to answer this Advent. If we know God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. How do we live? If God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, how do we witness to this truth? Friends, if we know God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, how do we treat our neighbors? If we have been given the gift of this truth that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, how do we want to greet our Savior? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good no matter the day or the hour. If we know and live this truth, we will be ready to turn towards the light of Christ and to be the light of the world all the time. Because God is good. Let us pray. God of justice and peace, from the heavens you rain down mercy and kindness that all on earth may stand in awe and wonder before your marvelous deeds. Raise our heads in expectation that we may yearn for the coming day of the Lord and stand without blame before your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>